Whoops. Hold on. <laughs> this is Simply Cyber. Good morning, folks. All right. Good morning, folks. Today is Wednesday, 11 of November 9th, 2022. Welcome to episode number 237 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, we got you covered. But before we get into it, let me give a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with my friends, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Listen, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive damages and leave hardworking business owners into turmoil, but Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Link in the description below. This is their site right here. You can scroll right down and hook up with Eric Taylor, the CEO, and get talking about what's going on, get it to business. Also want to give a shout out and love to Recon InfoSec. If your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to have a full-fledged security operations capability from the ground up, check out the managed detection and response offering from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. Guys, if you need serious cybersecurity help at your business and you can't get management to uh, hire FTEs or get you the tech stacks you need, or you don't have the knowledge to implement SIMs and SOARs and stuff like that, MDRs are wonderful options for that. Jeremy Williams dropping the $10 banger. Woo! Going around the world today, Jeremy Williams. I'll take a slug of coffee for that. Guys, real quick, if you, I want to remind you, if you hold cert professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so two and a half a week, roughly 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat, hashtag Team Live, hashtag thanks Jeremy Williams for the super chat. And by saying what's up in chat, you'll literally be documenting that you're here, and it's easily the most enjoyable way to get CPs, no doubt. If you're live, love it. We're about to go around the world, as Daft Punk is saying. I'm super pumped. If you're on replay, hashtag Team Replay. Sorry about yesterday. Bob Dylan kind of screwed us with the copyrights, but we're okay. Guys, we've got about four minutes, three and a half minutes here of Daft Punk. We do this every Wednesday. If you're new here and you don't know this, every Wednesday is Worldwide Wednesday. We have a lot of friends in the Simply Cyber community, and they come from all over the world. So today is the day that we call a shout-out. Where are you at? Let's do the world. What's up, Colorado? I see you in here, Terrence Billingsley. Gulf Coast, Texas in the house. North America is online. I love it, love it, love it. I can't scroll Super Chat without screwing up everybody's view here, so you're going to have to help me out, team. North Carolina's online. Sao Paulo, Brazil coming in. Dennis, thank you, Dennis. South America is online. Let me get a pen, man. Woo! All right, come on, Daft Punk. Let's do it. Virginia's in the house. Queens, New York in here. Indiana in the hizzy. South Africa in the house. Africa's online. South America's online. North America's online. West Coast. Way to get up early, JP. Love it, love it, love it. Upper Peninsula is there. Hope you guys are staying warm. Augusta's in the house. Love it. What's up, Stone Mountain, Georgia? India's in the house. Asia's online. Thank you so much, RX100. You know how to do it. 
Manchester, Great Britain, Europe online. Bros, we're like one minute in. We got all we need is Australia. Come on, Japan. Where are you at? We do not have Japan. We do have Asia, but we can start splintering. Is Leonardo in here? We can knock out the Caribbean. We got some uh, uh, Pakistan. We could get some Middle East action going on here. Maybe Djibouti. What's up, morning crew? Florida's in the house. Love it. Brandon Waymeyer. Hey, Tony Roy up in up in Canada. Texas. Good stuff, guys. Come on. We still need Australia. Where are we at, Australia? Internal stranger, you in here? We got a couple Australian birds. Japan is Asia. Oh, yeah. We got Asia. <clears throat> we got India, too. That's Asia. Where are you at, Australia? Come on. Come on. Come on. We got a minute here, people. Howdy from Washington. Guys, I want to do a U.S. around the U.S. too at some point. We just got to get some better tech here. Cayman Islands. Does that say Cayman Islands, Kentucky? Is there a Cayman Islands, Kentucky? Hmm. Come on. Leonardo, there you are. You don't even have to say it, Leonardo. Caribbean in the house. We see you, man. Yeah. Way to go, Kimberly, and way to go, Carrie. Yeah, we can run all 50 states. I'll announce that before we do that. Carrie in check, knocking out his exams yesterday. Love it, love it, love it. Come on, guys. Where's Australia? Are, you, are we really going to get hung here? 40 seconds. France in the house. More Europe. Very nice. Come on. Love it. Let's go. Come on, Australia. Internal stranger. You're killing me, Smalls. Oh, no. Yeah, we got East Texas, West Texas, North Texas. Kenya's in the house. Some more Africa representing. Love it. Oh, we got Africa for days, guys. We got South Africa. Yeah, Cyber Munchkin. Simply Cyber Squad, I need you all to <laughs> make a friend from Australia today and tell him about the stream. Damn. Nine seconds. Eight seconds. Three seconds. Oh, womp, womp, womp. All right, guys. Well, we didn't do it. We didn't do it today, but I genuinely <clears throat> I appreciate all of you giving it a hand. When we see internal stranger in chat, let's give <laughs> let's give him a hard time. All right, all right, y'all. So that's Worldwide Wednesday. We almost did it. Good job, everybody. We'll be back next Wednesday to do it. Will Reed's in the house. Love it, Will. Let's get those CPEs. All right, guys. As we are prone to do, sit back, relax, and let's dive into the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. $2 billion Powerball drawing delayed by security issues. The record-breaking $2.04 billion Powerball run ended Tuesday after an hours-long delay at the hands of a security issue. The drawing was initially set for Monday, but was paused for nearly 10 hours by the Multi-State Lottery Association after the Minnesota Lottery failed to submit required data, such as lottery ticket sales metrics. The drawing commenced on Tuesday morning, and lottery officials confirmed a single victor from L.A. County who will take home the world's largest-ever lottery jackpot. A Powerball spokeswoman said, quote, the delay was necessary to confirm the Powerball drawing could be conducted securely and accurately, end quote, but some are now questioning the integrity of the drawing process. Sure, why not? Why not? Every, everything is questionable today, right? So I, I do say it is kind of interesting um, <clears throat> that, you know, the largest jackpot, when money's on the line, cash, homie. when money's on the line, man, people, people pay attention, people get serious, people want to know what, what is up. A um, couple questions that come to mind to me right away. How often does a state fail to submit data, right? I mean, is this like a common thing and it's just because it's a $2 billion Powerball jackpot that now people are looking at it? That's one thing they didn't talk about, but I'd be curious. Guys, humans make mistakes all the time. It's not always nefarious. It's not always, you know, clandestine conspiracies. Sometimes people just make mistakes. Um Join Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing any time and you'll see either me make a mistake like I did when I started the show and I had the wrong screen on or, um, you know, Thompson Routers the other day had their data exposed for three hours because somebody obviously made a mistake on a configuration change. Crap happens. Now, 
you would hope that their processes would be transparent and that they would be able to um, demonstrate um, uh, not not uh, trust, but to demonstrate uh, the veracity and, and the you know the validity of the entire process, the drawing. Guys, this 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 Powerball thing really does have a lot of players involved, and the more pieces you add to a system, uh, the more you know there is for process failure. So I, I don't know if there's anything particular. Um, obviously, there'll be some type of investigation, I would assume, between the person who won and if they have any relation to anyone who works at Powerball, and if you know the person who was involved in in Minnesota not pushing their data soon enough. But it does seem a little sus, but I think it's just coincidence. Um, so whatever. I mean, this isn't even a cyber story. I guess it's just because it's $2 billion. Whatever. Hackers leak Australian health records on dark web. Is this where Australia Following was? Up on a story we brought to you yesterday on cybersecurity headlines. Earlier this morning, hackers began leaking sensitive medical records stolen from Medibank, an Australian health insurer with nearly 10 million customers, after the firm refused to pay a ransom. The data leaked anonymously on the dark web includes names, birth dates, passport numbers, and information on medical claims and hundreds of customers. The hackers also separated victim data oh, that's into a cold, naughty man. and nice list, with some on the naughty list having codes linking them to drug addiction, alcohol abuse, and HIV. Among the victims is Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, himself a Metabank customer, who said the attack was a wake-up call for corporate Australia. As Metabank scrambles to contain the leak, it is also staring down the barrel of a potentially costly class action lawsuit. Listen, okay, so first of all, maybe this is where Australia was and why we couldn't run the table on Worldwide Wednesday. But that aside, a uh, couple things. One, they the the hackers, I forget who they were, they said that they were going to release this data if they didn't pay. We covered this story literally yesterday on stream. And Metabank told them basically to pound sand. We're not going to pay you. Suck it. So what are they left to do? They, with all due respect, they have to publish the data because if they don't, next time they threaten a victim that they'll publish the data, the victim's going to be like, you, you total bull****. Like, why why do I believe you to post? So they, they had to do it. Their hand was forced. Now, it sucks that they did it. I find it particularly... Um, a twist of the knife, a, a twist of the knife, and totally not necessary. Um, and I know you can't really read it on stream, but they they separated the victims into a naughty and nice list. So if you have HIV, AIDS, if you have drug addiction, or you know something that would be kind of social social pariah, socially unacceptable, you know, socially um um different than other people, right? So like something that you would want to keep private, not just the fact that you went in for a colonoscopy on November 10th or something like that, but like that you, you know, have something that you don't want people to know. They called it out in here. So that kind of sucks. Like the, that, that has an air of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, where you're like, not sinister, but like they literally did it because they were pissed, right? They had to go into the data and do additional manipulation in order to create these nice lists. It's very, it's cruel, frankly. Um, so, you know, whatever, but so, and then the guy who runs Metabank says we have to, like, they're trying to control the leak. Well, I will say that the hackers did offer you the opportunity to pay a ransom and not have any of the data leaked. Now I'm not I'm not condoning paying ransoms, but my point is like they're racing to control the leak. Um, you know, hopefully they're doing all these things and they kind of had it set up in advance. But it just it's kind of funny, I guess. It's kind of a rock and a hard place, right? Which is why ransomware is so successful. It's like racing to control the leak, even though yesterday we had all the opportunity in the world to control the leak. Puppy gets 11 years in prison for cyber fraud. Jeremy Williams with the gifted sub. Thanks, Hush Jeremy. Puppy, has been sentenced to 11 years in prison for conspiring to launder millions of dollars through business email compromise scams and other cyber schemes. 40-year-old Nigerian Ramon Alaronwa Abbas admitted to conspiring to launder over $300 million between 2019 and 2022. The U.S. DOJ ordered Abbas to pay restitution of $1.7 million to two confirmed victims, a law firm in the U.S., and a business person in Qatar. Abbas used proceeds from his scams to show off a lavish lifestyle on Instagram, gaining him influencer status. Interesting. Malicious. So I don't, 
<clears throat> I don't know if anyone knows this guy, but uh, he Nigerian, right? So not that there's anything wrong with Nigeria or Nigerians, but of course the original OG kind of internet-based scam fraud uh, was the Nigerian 419 scams, right? So it's kind of it's kind of um, coincidental that it's a Nigerian in this case. Now the dude's name is Hush Puppy on Instagram. Go check him out. Um, only to see, I'm curious, it, was he like posting on Instagram that he was committing cyber crimes or was he just posting on Instagram that he was rich and has lavish lifestyle? I'm kind of curious. Um, the dude was cr like straight executing business email compromise, business email compromise, dude, as much pub publicity as ransomware gets business email compromise. Um, hey, and by the way, for all those people who just got gifted subs from Jeremy Williams, first of all, thank you, Jeremy Williams. You are so kind. Second of all, guys, make sure you check out the emotes. You just got access to a ton of new emotes. You get a special squad roll over on the Discord server. So please take advantage of that. And I'm going to give you an update on the emotes at the halfway break. Um, as big as ransomware is, business email compromise is actually the second largest financial crime, cyber financial crime in the United States at least. Um, and it's it, it doesn't get nearly as much publicity as ransomware. But guys, average business email compromise is about $70,000. Um, people get away with it all the time. A lot of businesses just write it off as a loss. Uh, insurance companies and cyber insurance, I've reviewed multiple policies. They all are very clear about business email compromise and what they will not pay for. And basically, uh, you have to follow your processes and all these other things. Most of the times, business email compromise comes from somebody not following the process. Therefore, insurance companies don't end up paying on it. Um, and I've seen multiple CFOs just stroke a stroke a check, a or not stroke a check, but basically just add it as a loss on the um, on the balance sheet as you know other expense. Move on, more business, uh, because when you when you're dealing with like multi million dollar businesses. It sucks to lose 70 grand on average, but but they're not going to slow down. They're not going to stop. They're just going to tell the people in accounting, be better, be careful, pay attention. We got hit. I've seen businesses get hit multiple times. So it is a very successful crime, very lucrative, not as lucrative as ransomware. Uh, but <clears throat> I am glad that the... Um, I don't know who arrested him and sent him to prison, but I'm glad somebody that is so um, well-known, right went to prison effectively twofold one you know to hell with you because you 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 obviously uh, are a criminal and you obviously victimized several organizations and people but more importantly uh because a lot of people know hush puppy they will be like oh my god business email compromise was something i was kind of flirting with or i've done but now i'm going to stop or not start because i don't want to go to prison for 11 years hell no so anyways good stuff extension lets attackers control Google Chrome remotely. A new Chromium browser botnet named Cloud9 has been discovered in the wild using browser extensions to steal online accounts, log keystrokes, inject ads in malicious JS code, and enlist victim browsers in DDoS attacks. Cloud9 has also been spotted loading exploits for known vulnerabilities for other browsers including Firefox, IE, and Edge. The malicious extension isn't available on the Chrome Web Store, but is being circulated through alternative channels like websites pushing fake Adobe Flash Player updates. Researchers at Zimperium have seen Cloud9 infections on systems across the globe and have linked the hackers to Kexec Malware Group due to the C2 domains used. Zimperium also believes that Kexec is likely selling or renting the malware to other operators. Okay, and wow. Now, all right, so this is really, uh, really interesting here. Uh, so this is a Chrome extension. You you do not get it through the Chrome store. So that's one thing for end users, but it does show up as a pop-up. Um, you can see right here, a fake Adobe Flash Player pop-up. Uh, this is really not uncommon, guys. Um, the key here, to and this is an end user education thing as well as IT, the, the key here is... When you get a pop-up, so many people are typically getting a pop-up because they go to a site. Oh, like here's five things that um, five things Kim Kardashian did at that birthday party last weekend. Number four will stun you. And like you click on it and then instantly there's a pop-up. It's like, you'd love to view this material, 
but you need to upgrade something. And people are just like, click, 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 click. I need to see what Kim Kardashian wore to the ball. Ah, right. And they don't read it. And it, I mean, it literally, I've seen experiments where like the pop-up literally says, click here to install malware. And like 80% of people click through it. People don't read. Be honest with yourself. You know, you don't read it. You might glance over. You're like, oh, flash player, upload, right? So you got to be mindful of this, that it's it's basically just straight. Oh my God, gifted subs all over the place. You guys, so much. So love it, love it, love it. Thanks so much, uh, Paula, for the gifted subs. Guys, enjoy that. So here's the thing. You got to educate end users. You got to tell them, hey, listen. This is how they threat actors. You can't even say that much. You have to say like criminals are installing uh, into your Chrome browser and they do it with a pop up. So be mindful of any pop ups that come up. And oh, by the way, dude, it's a remote access Trojan. They can run denial. It's basically a bot on your computer so they can run denial of service attacks, which is like whatever. But then they can also steal cookies, which then you can see here, which if they steal cookies, cookies are making it so when you log into like Office 365 and then you go to another like different part of Office 365 and you don't have to log in again, it's because you have tokens that authorize you. They're stealing those tokens, bro, right? You need to protect yourself. It's bananas. Um, it's, it's, it's probably too advanced uh, a request for an end user, but you should also occasionally look at your actual extensions in Chrome. This extension right here, even though it gets installed maliciously, as far as I know, I have not seen Chrome extensions that can hide. So Chrome will tell you what extensions are installed. And if you see one that looks nefarious or you don't recognize it, uninstall it. That should be a best practice. Now, if you can lock down people's Chrome browsers and prevent them from installing extensions, that could be okay or somehow control what extensions that could be okay. I don't know if that type of functionality exists in some type of endpoint management tool, but long story short, you've got to be careful with this. And by the way, I want to tell you a true story, guys, really quickly. True story, true story. It, like you can't make this up. I have had end users before where I've seen their machine behaving badly. I get on the phone with them. I do a screen share. I'm like, what did you do in the last 15 minutes? They're like, oh, I just went to the websites. Wow, no, the, the World Wide Web. And I'm like, okay, like, let's, like, I have a feeling it has to do with a Chrome extension. Let's look at your Chrome extensions. They pull up their Chrome extensions, and literally one of the extensions makes no sense, right? And Google has marked it in bright red letters. Uh, like potentially malicious or suspicious, suspiciously malicious or something like that. Like it literally had a label on it that Google put there that said like, this looks wicked naughty. You should probably get rid of it. Now, I wish Google had by default um, disabled that extension, but that's a side point. But like literally, end user, and I told the end user, I'm like, what is that? And they're like, I, I don't know. Is that bad? I'm like, it's in bright letters and says malicious. Do you think it's bad? And they're like, are we done here? And I'm like, oh my God, to uninstall the extension, reboot your computer, and I'm going to be monitoring your machine. They're like, okay. So anyways, I know I'm spending a ton of time on a Chrome extension pop-up, but the point really is more about educating your end users of the different kind of threat vectors because they are the ones who are going to be unknowingly complicit in activating and installing this malware on your endpoints and, you know, it just sucks. This is a pretty beefy, sophisticated piece of malware um, that can do all sorts of stuff, right? Keystroke injection, uh, keystroke sniffing, token stealing, right? This thing's a hot mess on fire. So, like, I don't want that. Tons of people use Google Chrome. It's like the most used browser in the world right now. So until that changes, educate your end users and let's, you know, like, <laughs> uh, uh. From our sponsor... App Omni. Did you know that over half of companies have sensitive SaaS data exposed to the public internet? And many breaches making headlines now involve SaaS apps. App Omni can help. App Omni identifies misconfigurations and guides remediation to keep your SaaS data secure. We can help security teams make sense of data access permissions, third-party app visibility, and threat detection across their entire SaaS ecosystem. Get started at appomni.com. That's A-P-P-O-M-N-I.com. Oh, my God. I, like, broke a sweat flipping out about that story. I had to take my hoodie off. All right, guys, it's the mid-roll. If you're new here, this is what we do every mid-roll. 
Oh, nice Dan Reardon with the the Rekka hoodie. All right, guys, really quick on the mid-roll, i just like to take a moment and thank, A, all of you for being here today and making Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Breath Briefing absolutely spectacular. I see a lot of you on social media sharing that we're out here doing this every morning, and I genuinely appreciate that. I also hope that you all are getting value, especially if you're new here. If you're new here, if this is your first show, drop it in chat. Say what's up. Love to know it. Woo-woo, InfoSec Kid for two months. Thank you, InfoSec Kid. Guys, really quick, today's a busy day for me. Um, at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be streaming ThreatGen Red vs. Blue. And it's a cybersecurity simulation uh, platform. But guys, this is a fun stream today. I will not be playing. Just like last week, we had an advanced player play. Today, we have a member of the Simply Cyber community who is relatively new to um, industry and to the game who's going to be playing. And I'll be riding shotgun on them. So I'm pr pretty pumped about that. Joel Belton dropping mad, mad gifted subs enjoy those gifted subs folks take advantage of the emotes now check it out this one is also bananas don't you don't want to miss this one today at 2 p.m i am going to be a guest on it pro tv's um cybersecurity podcast with daniel lowry this is going to be epic and guys it's an ama i have no idea what we're going to be talking about i don't know where we're going it's going to be live it's going to be a pro uh pro production I'm super excited about it. Got the old Simply Cyber gear on so I can represent. Um, so come, if you can, this is going to be paired and uh, rebroadcast on Simply Cyber. So you don't have to go anywhere. You will get notified if you've hit the bell for notifications for Simply Cyber. Uh, and I'm super excited about that. One other thing to share with you guys that I'm really, really pumped about. Um, yesterday, I asked on chat... What emotes do you want? We've got so many new squad members, people gifting subs everywhere. Uh, I love it. I can put a bunch of emotes. Uh, before uh, Monday, I will be adding the following emotes to the squad. So if you're a squad member, get ready. I will be adding John Strand, uh, some type of police. So when we play the whoop, whoop, I'll be adding a no coffee one for Carrie. Uh, Black Hills InfoSec. Something for the Worldwide Wednesdays, like the Continents or something, uh, that I haven't figured out yet. A Ninja, the Yeet guy, I don't even know what that is, but I will be adding one once I figure out what a Yeet guy is. Uh, Brondo from Idiocracy, and two Wu-Tang ones, the straight Wu symbol, and then something to do with cash rules everything around me, since we do cover so much about the, the cashish. So, if you got any other suggestions... Y'all for, um, oh, a toasty? We could do a toasty. I'm adding toasty right now. All right, toasty's been added. If you got any other suggestions, holler at me. But we'll be getting the woo. So look for those emotes to be thrown in here ASAP. Enjoy them. Thank you so much to squad members. And for those who are gifting squads, Joel Belt and Justin Gold, Paula, y'all y'all are straight crushing it. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much. You guys are great. Let's get back into the news. I was hoping we could get to the la, 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 but not today, okay? Maybe just a hot minute. No. All right, let's get back into the news, guys. Report highlights insider risk is on the rise. A new report from DTEX indicates that 12% of all employees take sensitive intellectual property with them when they leave an organization. The report also suggests a 55% increase in unsanctioned application usage, which can make data exfiltration easier by allowing users to maintain clipboard history and sync data across multiple devices. The report also highlights a 200% increase in unsanctioned third-party work on corporate devices from a high prevalence of employees engaged in side gigs. <laughs> side gigs reportedly leverage corporate data to assist third-party businesses that may be in direct competition with their employer. This is the biggest donkey report. Are you kidding me with this? So, okay, there's so many things wrong with this. Like, okay, I'm not wrong. There are so many things that I would like to discuss about this report. First and foremost, 12% of employees take IP when leaving jobs. Are you kidding me? I would argue it's 12% of employees do not take IP when leaving a job. Guys, IP is anything that the business owns, right? You Like I make a sick enterprise risk assessment template for, for executing an enterprise risk assessment in 2021 and then I quit in 2022. You Do you think for a second 
that I might not, you know, strip out any sensitive information and then save that so I don't have to recreate it when I go to my new job and do an enterprise risk assessment. Oh, this is a really cool PowerPoint template. Yeet. Wait, hold on. Yeet. PowerPoint template out the window into my car. Like, guys, intellectual property doesn't mean you're stealing the Coke formula, right? Now, that is something. So I think 12%, 12% and calling it on the rise is ridiculous, dude. Like, now, if they are qualifying that by saying something that has value over, like, you know, whatever, $2,500, $10,000, then, yeah, I can get on board with that. But this, first of all, I don't know if that's true. Second of all... um. And by the way, another thing that you would see this in is um, like medical industry, like when a when a doctor is uh, going to start a new practice and they take a patient list with them, that that's a HIPAA violation in the U.S., but doctors do it all the time because they're like, these are my patients, right? My patients. Well, no, they're actually the patients of the hospital or the um you know, Alliance or whatever it is, not yours, Dr. Jerry. And they're like, no, these are my patients. I care for these patients. And they're like, no, you can't take the patient list. And he's like, well, I'm going to take the patient list. Now they do talk about the use of a uh, 55% increase in unsanctioned app usage um, and BYO apps. No one says that um, shadow IT. So yeah, guys, shadow IT is real as cloud-based systems come online it's it's very hard to manage cloud-based systems. I there's a there's a technology called oh my god, what is it? Uh Casby, Cloud Access Security Broker, Casby, right? So this is this is a term, maybe you you don't know it. Throw it into your uh your bucket there. Casby, the idea behind a Casby is that you can control and see what people are connecting to for third-party services like Dropbox, Google Drive, iCloud, et cetera, and see what they're doing and prevent them from doing stuff, right? Now you get into, uh, you need like reverse proxies. You need to potentially uh, decrypt and then re-encrypt at the border so you can actually look at what they're doing. Casby, to me, Casby is just another kind of twist on DLP where you can actually say, oh, you cannot go to Google Drive. Um, you can't go to Google Drive. You can't go to OneDrive. So you could just straight up block it like a firewall rule. Or you can say you can't push that data or you get flagged. Hey, you're pushing large amounts of data. We can't see it because we don't do decryption, but you're pushing large amounts of data to Google Drive. What the hell are you doing? Explain yourself. So there's these things. Y'all, I have never seen a DLP solution be implemented effectively ever. And I've never seen a Casby solution implemented effectively. I have seen Casby where they straight up say you can't access these sites. But guess what? You didn't need a Casby to, act, to do that in the first place. You could have done it with a firewall. And oh, by the way, because people were working remotely, all they do is log off the VPN onto their home network and then access the, you know, the cloud storage solution. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, yes, the cloud made everything way more easier, but it also made everything way more easier if you're picking up what I'm putting down here. So good luck trying to control that risk. They call it shadow IT, but it's like, it's it's out of control bananas. Now, the final thing they say, and I this one I have no love for, okay? They talk about a 200% increase, which is absolutely out of control, in unsanctioned third-party work on corporate devices. So all they're saying is, People are getting side gigs. People are, you know, um, there's another term for it, over overworking or something like that. There's a term when you have like two full-time jobs, overemployed, okay? You're overemployed. But guys, you, I don't care if you're overemployed, right? I don't care if you have eight jobs, but bro, you cannot use your, you know, your, your, you work for, um, I don't know, who do you work for? You work for Holiday Inn and you're in IT and like you take your holiday in computer and workstation and everything and then go start working like for you know Marriott or whatever and you're like oh no I got this or like you do private consulting side gig stuff website development whatever it is but you're using that machine that's just a bad practice in general right you can get caught you're definitely breaking acceptable user policies and what happens if you get fired tomorrow you don't have a computer. All the work you were doing is gone, right? Unless you're backing up to these cloud solutions that they're not going to stop you from doing. So I guess I get it. You know, it is expensive uh, capital cost to just go buy a second laptop if you're going to start doing side gig work. But um, be mindful of this, guys. This is why, 
you know, I, I hate to say it, but this is why you got to lock these endpoints down. And I know CFOs, it's all about money. Great cash, homie. CFOs love that BYOD because it costs them nothing in order to have the workforce have technology. But this is the risk you run, y'all. This is the risk you run. It's my, it's my laptop, right? It's my money and I want it now. JG Wentworth, right? So this is the risk you run of people doing stuff like this. All right, let's keep going. And now it's time for You Should Probably Patch That Patch Tuesday edition. Microsoft's November 2022 Patch Tuesday included fixes for six actively exploited Windows vulnerabilities and a total of 68 flaws. Microsoft fixes include two that address the actively exploited proxy not shell bugs, which affect Exchange Server 2019, 2016, and 2013. Proxy not shell bugs were disclosed in September through Microsoft's zero-day initiative program by Vietnamese security firm GTSC. Overall, 11 of the 68 vulnerabilities are classified as critical and allow for privilege escalation, spoofing, or remote code execution. Additionally, Citrix has issued a bulletin urging customers to install security updates for a critical authentication bypass vulnerability in Citrix ADC and Citrix Gateway. Versions of these products prior to 12.1 are not supported and therefore customers will need to upgrade to a supported version to receive security fixes. And finally, on Tuesday, VMware released Workspace ONE Assist 22.10 Release 8.9993 for Windows customers, which addresses three critical severity vulnerabilities that enable remote attackers to bypass authentication and elevate privileges to admin. Yes. All right. Um, so Microsoft Patch Tuesday. Guys, if, if you're like a lone wolf, like the Simply Cyber battle station up here, I'm just going to patch my workstation and move on. No big deal. But if you have a large organization, and this is like, I said, I've said this on stream before, but this is like a little reminder for people who might be new here. Like in large organizations, even mid-sized organizations, right? You can't just patch all the things at once, right? You have to make sure that you're not going to break uh, critical applications, business workflows, right? You can't have everybody in the county be down or you can't have the sales team be down, so what you have to typically do is you apply Microsoft Patch Tuesday, right? So yesterday's patches, apply them to um, the IT department because they honestly are power users and they can figure out how to roll back and stuff like that without extra uh, help. Then you have champions out in the environment who, you know, like a sales guy updates and a finance and accounting lady updates and then someone in R&D updates, right? Hey, did anything break? No, cool. Think of it as like concentric circles where you're getting more more endpoints as you go out, and then ultimately you pat you push it to the all endpoints, and then hopefully servers as well uh, where applicable during server maintenance downtimes. Make sure you get your server maintenance downtimes. This particular one's interesting because two things: one, eleven of the sixty-eight vulnerabilities, and by the way, you you cannot. With the way Microsoft um, Windows patches now, you can't pick and choose what you do. It, they're rollups, so like you get them all. So this is just calling out that 11 of the 68, they're classified as critical, which is the CVSS score that's the worst. And they said that they're actively being exploited, right? At least in the title here. Six are actively exploited right now, uh, which means get your get your in gear uh, because I don't know how they're being exploited, if it's just privilege escalations or if it's remote code execution. But if people can hit boxes uh, from the internet, it's not good. And how does that happen? Oh, well... Guys, it's sometimes people put their their they configure their home router to pass through. So like someone's workstation is on the internet. That happens. Uh, sometimes a misconfigured system. Sometimes it's a web server, right? It's supposed to be internet facing. Um, you've just got to be mindful. Obviously, run your vulnerability scanners. The new the the vulnerability scanners are obviously going to have um, these checks in place. May, start with your external facing. Uh, network structure, make sure that they're not there. And then um, your internal ones, make sure your endpoints get updated. And then for any ones that don't get updated, have an explanation of why and when is it going to be fixed, right? Like this isn't like a option, like, oh, uh, I don't want to do it. No, like it's it, if you can't do it today, can you do it tomorrow? If you can't do it tomorrow, can you do it next week? If you can't do it next week, let me talk to your boss because this is ridiculous and you're you're now a... You are a vulnerability to this organization. Uh, good, sir. I'll give you a hint. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Let's 
economies fear security budget cuts amidst rising inflation. According to a new report from OpenTech Security Solutions, 57% of small and medium-sized businesses are worried about their cybersecurity budgets being slashed due to rising inflation. The report found that despite many SMBs having suffered a serious attack in the past, budgets are already low with half of respondents spending less than $20,000 annually. Only 10% spend more than $50,000 per year, and 68% have fewer than five security professionals on staff. That's not great news considering that nearly half of SMBs polled admitted they have suffered an attack in the past and 60% indicated that they are either not confident or only somewhat confident that they could repel an attack. All right. Well, this is going to get complicated quickly. Um, so SMBs, they should be afraid, right? 57% believe that their cybersecurity budgets are going to get slashed. Guys, Let's be real. Like there's a, we're we're heading towards or we're in a recession right now. I know there's an actual formal definition of like GDP uh goes down two quarters in a row, it's a recession. Whatever it is, people are getting laid off all over the place, right? It's not good. So if people if businesses are cutting headcount to save on expenses, once they cut the people that they can cut and they can't cut any more people, it's like shaving meat off a bone. Eventually, you're going to either you know, shave off enough overhead and be able to float the business until numbers come up or whatever, or you're going to start looking around at what else can you cut? What what part of the bone can you shave off? And guys, I you know, I, let's be real, all right? I love cybersecurity, but people who don't know what cybersecurity is, like with all due respect, like a CFO, a CEO, right? They know it's not good to get hit, but if they cut the cybersecurity budget, they don't see an immediate impact, right? If you cut IT spend and then, you know, Johnny drops his laptop in a puddle and you can't replace it, Johnny's not working. Or you're like, you're, shift, you're, you're doing shifts with a laptop, which is ridiculous, right? There's a real pain point. There's an impact. When you cut cyber or, you know, you don't renew a tool or something like that, it's not like immediately the hackers are in, right? 90s hacker voice, like, I'm in. Like, that doesn't happen immediately. So the impact isn't felt immediately. But believe me, and this is why people in the industry use fear, uncertainty, and doubt as a lever in order to get funding and stuff. All you're doing is actually increasing the risk of a bad thing happening, both um, the likelihood because your defenses are less, right? So there's a greater likelihood something will break through and the impact because your defenses are less. You might not detect it. You might not be able to respond to it. You don't have the staff to do anything with it. So you're basically, um, you know, driving on the highway without a seatbelt. Yeah, you can friggin' do 90 miles an hour, go for it. But if someone jacks into your lane and you're not expecting it and you hit the Jersey barrier, guess what? I told you, you shouldn't have cut the seatbelts out of the car. I know that it saved us $18,000, but guess what? The seatbelts were pretty important, Johnny, right? So, out the car. I, I get I get mad. I'm not asking for extra budget, but can we please just maintain? Um, another thing that I want to point out, I mentioned... Recon InfoSec at the beginning and MDR solutions. Um, MDR is like something that plays in here, right? Small businesses typically outsource IT. If you guys don't know this, they typically don't have an IT person or maybe they have one. But a lot of times they'll outsource IT because it's a it's a cost. It's a scale like a scale multiplier, right? For the cost of one full-time employee on staff, they can have, you know, five quote unquote full-time employees doing IT stuff. Um, in a managed service. Same can be said for managed security services, which is typically what a managed detection and response service is. They look at your EDR. They look at the network logs. They alert you when stuff's happening. They take action if ransomware is starting to spread and shut down endpoints and, and um, quarantine them and stuff like that. A sucky MDR just tells you you have a problem like, oh, thanks. That's what I need. A good MDR actually will uh, basically operate as your security operations team. And that's that's a way to get value for your money. So if you are one of these businesses or you work at a business where they're talking about belt tightening, uh, I would suggest considering MDR or starting to look for a new job. <laughs> Man, dude, 20 grand. By the way, 20 grand, half of respondents spend less than 20 grand on cybersecurity. 
that's not great, guys. Um, you know, like, just to give you perspective, Microsoft Office 365, to get into the platform and have, like, Microsoft Defender and, you know, multi-factor and crap like that for your business, it's like $150 um, a year per person, right? Which doesn't sound like much, 150 bucks a year, Jer, or like $20 a month, right? So let's say it's $20 a month, it's $240 a person. That's $1,000 for every four people, right? Now you see it, right? So for every four people, it's $1,000. So this right here means, what, 20 times four, 80 people? So if you have a business of 80 people, they get, they get Defender and that's it. You have no SIM, no logs, no firewall, you know, like no, nothing, nothing, no MDM. Like it goes quick. 20 grand's not a lot of money. And it just pisses me off because it's like, do you, like, you understand, you understand that you have home insurance and car insurance, but you don't always use it, right? But you have it because it's the right thing to do to protect yourself and reduce your risk of having a bad day. Same thing with cybersecurity, not just insurance, just cybersecurity in general. And spending less than 20 grand, I mean, ee. Now, a lot of small businesses are small, so maybe that makes sense, but you know, whatever. Cyber.org range expanded to K through 12 students nationwide. The Cyber.org range, a no cost, safe virtual environment for K through 12 students to learn cybersecurity skills will be expanded to all 50 states. The announcement came from Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards and CISA Director Jen Easterly. Cyber.org was initially funded by the state of Louisiana and is now funded by CISA's Cybersecurity Education and Training Assistance Program. The labs in Cyber.org give students hands-on cybersecurity experiences in a safe and controlled virtual environment. The platform also helps prepare students for the CompTIA Security Plus exam, which will help lower the barrier to cybersecurity jobs. Yeah, boy, this is awesome. All right, so K through 12, which by the way is super important. We talked the other day last week about Cyber Legends, a video game that teaches basic end user awareness education, but it's designed for K through 12. This right here is a cyber range. This is not teaching end user awareness. This is actually educating them in skill and uh, you know terminology, context. Uh, I wanna check this out. This is wicked cool. Um, I know some organizations like here in the, the county that I live in, the high schools actually have uh, like a curriculum track for cybersecurity. So, you know, you take three classes over three semesters. It's, it's not like you come out and you're an engineer or something. But still, they're pushing it down into the high school. This is going K through 12. Um, I'm going to check out this range. Uh, I think it's good. I think this is a great way to get, you know, kids in, in the right mindset, push them on a path, uh, get the workforce going. Um, you know, and maybe if we start them in, at... Uh, kindergarten, they can graduate high school with 12 years of experience and be qualified for that entry-level job. <laughs> All right, I digress. Poking fun at the industry. Uh, another quick side thing, this is Jen Easterly right here in the middle. She's CISA director, um, and she's really, really wonderful. I'm a huge fan, obviously. Uh, I think she's done great stuff for the United States and for CISA. Um, I did tweet her the other day openly on Twitter and asked her if she'd come on Simply Cyber Live. I got no reply. So, um, you know, uh, do I have something that's like um, appropriate for me to be like no reply? Um, no, I didn't get it. Whatever. Jen saw the tweet and was like, <laughs> anyways. So I'll try to get Jen Easterly on the channel if you guys are interested. That looks like those are the stories for today. We are a few minutes over. I digress because I flipped out. Um, <laughs> I did flip out for a few minutes about uh, some story. I don't even remember. Oh, the Chrome extension one. I, I lost my mind. And um, I think SMBs and Insider Thread. Guys, today was a spicy day. I, I literally lost my mind on multiple stories. I apologize unless you're into me, <laughs> me losing my mind. And then, you know, you're welcome. But uh, I hope you guys had a good time. If this was your first time here, uh, welcome. You're uh, always welcome back. I'm going to get those emotes. It looks like Dan Reardon was helping me out, uh, develop some, some emotes for the channel. So I'm excited to check those out. <sighs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. I hope to, hope to see you at 1130 a.m. Uh, and really hope to see you at 2 p.m. Eastern time for the IT Pro TV uh, channel. Did we just become best friends? Yep.
All right, Cyber Munchkin with the love. Thanks, Cyber Munchkin. And again, great job, Carrie. Uh, making making moves like a snake in the grass. Roundabout. If you know your gang star, your guru. Um, all right, guys. I'm going to head on out. Be good. I'll see you guys later today at 1130 a.m. or 2 p.m. Or tomorrow at 10 a.m. for the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. We're back on the 10 a.m. schedules. I do teach tomorrow. Although, I have a guest lecturer tomorrow, Charles Finfrock. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Yep. Charles Finfrock coming into town, taking him to dinner tonight, teaching my class tomorrow. High fives everywhere. Be good, guys. We'll see you at 1130. Take care. Motown with your sound, you in the blink. Don't bite the dust, can't bite with us. With your sound, you.